This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. And I'm very excited to interview our guest today, Dr. Michael Goldberg. Uh, He graduated from Tufts. And he did a GPR and then entered private practice and academia in 1977. He was on faculty at Columbia University and New York Presbyterian Medical Center for 30 years in many positions, including director of the GPR program and director of the course on practice management. That's where he got my attention because you guys know I love practice management. So Michael built a prestigious group practice in Manhattan where he focused on comprehensive whole body care. As he treated so many physicians, his colleagues dubbed him the doctor's dentist. I love that. That's so cool. So Michael teaches practice management at Temple University and speaks nationally and internationally on a variety of subjects. He and Practice Perfect Systems are the official practice management consultants to the Spencer Study Club, their business elite groups. Michael has authored three books, including What the Tooth Fairy Didn't Tell You, Beyond Awe, a guide for physicians, and from here to where, a guide for dental practice success. He's recently had been the chief editor of a book on sleep dentistry written by 24 of North America's finest dental sleep practitioners. Michael is on the board of three charitable organizations that help provide care for people with special needs worldwide. I got to say, Dr. Goldberg, that's quite a mouthful, but I'm very excited to welcome you. And I know that uh, I've been very interested and passionate about helping dentists practice free of restrictive insurance, and I really want to get your insight to help dentists out with this. So welcome. Thank you, Eric. And sorry for making that so long. That was really short. (laughs) Well, when when you're the man, there's a lot of, uh, you know, bio that goes with that. And uh, like I said, I'm very excited to, to pick your brain today so that the people listening can really get some benefit out of how to think sometimes differently. I mean, I know there's a lot out there, listen, that already feel free of restrictive insurance, but there's so many clients that I work with where they go, man, you know, these are my fees and I'm having to see so many patients and I'm stressed out at the end of the day. I feel burnout. And there's some that can really make it work. They, they're in network and they, and they really are rock stars. Uh, but, but I know that there's just, I, I, I can see when the practices I work with are free from restrictive insurance, or if I help them get free of restrictive insurance, what a difference it makes in their ability to care for their patients. So jumping right in, I want to give them some value. What would you say are the biggest, I guess, systemic underlying issues that most dentists have right now from your perspective? Great. So I think that, and I share your passion about it, not making it about the money Mm -hmm. and because that's really why we went into dentistry nobody nobody went into dentistry about because it was about the money it's good if it was about the money we would have gone to law school or business school or become entrepreneurs um so it, it never was about the money until it was about the money and so the etiology the cause of dentist frustration is understandable because they didn't go into it for the money. They went into it to help people. And then they found out that without the money, there's no mission. So that's where the business part of it 
comes in. And what I've been seeing is what COVID did, what this pandemic did was it acted as an amplifier and an accelerator. So it amplified pre-existing problems and it accelerated the consequences of those problems. So we saw people that didn't have the right business systems all of the sudden after the or during the pandemic or now after the pandemic, that lack of business systems has come back to bite them. So now there's a, an increased awareness, if you would, of the need for really, really airtight business systems. Gotcha. Now, when it comes to insurance or reducing or not having your de a dependence on insurance, I think the two real keys are relationships and trust. So systems that enable you to increase your relationship strength and increase the trust that your patients have in you are the kinds of systems that will help enable you to decrease your dependence on insurance and have what we call price flexibility. Because everybody thinks it's about price and we know it's not about price. If, every, if everything was about price, nobody would be driving around in a Mercedes. Everybody would be driving around in the same inexpensive car because they both take you from place A to B. So we know it's not about price. And what insurance companies do is they make it about price. And then dentists buy into that and they make it about price. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I say to clients all the time uh, uh, that it's like the marriage in, in all of us, you know, maybe know this type of, of relationship where for some reason they got married for the money. Whatever reason that was, right? They got married for the money. Okay. So I we might know some people. That's right. <laughs> so when the money's gone, guess what happens? The relationship's gone. So when, when you look at a marriage, you look at the relationship is built upon what you said, communication, trust, you know, they actually come see you because of something they benefit from, not because it's just about the money. It's, I come to you because you're in my network. Like if, if your practice is built on because you're in my network, things could change. You want your, your relationship with your patient to be built upon something bigger than that. That way, if that's, that's, issue right changes the relationship remains and that's the key that is the key to if you can unlock that door that is the key to relationship and that is to find out why that person is coming to you if you can dig down if you can peel the onion and get at the core of that person's why i mean you know that's Simon, yeah. Simon Sinek, it starts with why, right? The why, yeah. The why. But it takes time to get to that why. Now, it can start with your marketing. It can start with your website. It should at least start with that first phone call. Yeah. So, you know, how do you answer the phone? If you're answering the phone, if someone picks up the phone and says, do you accept Aetna? And the answer is no. Click. Like, right. It's over. Game over. The, sale, the sales prevention department 
has 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 struck again. Yeah. But if you say, why, why are you calling? And why is that important to you? And start, we say, you should say why at least three times during that first phone call so that you can understand. Mm. Maybe the person's coming because their wife told them to. And why is that, but why is that important? Well, because I love my wife. Want to keep her happy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's part of your why. Yeah. The, the key question, I want everybody listening, why is that important? That phrase can change your practice. You know, you've heard it over the years and years and years of different people talking about this question. They called it the million dollar question, the mojo question, the hot button, the dominant buying motive, the everything. But why is having that? Why is coming in? Uh, why, you know, did your wife, why is it making you, you know, important to you? What is it about importance and why? And connect those two words and that's going to set you apart. Now, I, I got a personal question for you, Dr. Goldberg. Eric, you have to call me. You have you have to call me Michael. Said, <laughs> the only person that ever insisted on calling me Dr. Goldberg was my mother. <laughs> okay, Michael. So, when you were in practice, so that people can relate to this, what was your niche? What was your why? What was when people came to you? Why did they come to you? What was that umph? Yeah. So. First of all, people came to me. I, my major referral sources were other physicians and and current patients. I did no external marketing. I did a lot of internal marketing, but no external marketing. Mm -hmm. And that was partly because I was in Manhattan and to do any kind of external marketing was prohibitively expensive. Too much money, absolutely. And, and you know what? And I didn't need it. I mean, you know, if if you're a comprehensively diagnosing doctor, you as an individual, you probably can't handle more than 15 to 20 new patients a, 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 a month, especially if you're retaining them. Right? Yeah. If your churn rate is relatively low and you're diagnosing comprehensively, you're gonna have all you can handle. With 15 to 20 new patients. People think I, they need patients. I 100% agree. And I will add to that if you're a scratch practice, you know, grain of salt. If you're listening, you're like, well, I'm starting to practice. You need more than that, of course. Uh, but, and, and if you have a, a, a clientele, a patient base that is nomadic, they're moving through a lot, that would be the other reason that you, you may need to adapt that. But there are systems to allow you to see more new patients in a way that whittles it into. Uh, and I'm not, I don't count, I would assume you're with me on this. I don't count emergencies. I don't count kids. I count, you know, adult comprehensive exam new patients. You agree with that? EO 150s. Yes, exactly. So when you tell me you're seeing 60 new patients and 45 of them were kids and 10 of them were emergencies, you're not playing the game right. You're not, because your treatment planning is not going to be to the same level as somebody who saw 15 comprehensive exam new patients. Is that fair? Well, the only, the only thing I would say is I'm not sure about kids because a kid usually, so it's interesting. So we've all had this experience where a parent will test an office by sending their kid to the office sure. first. So that child is the test case, which I think is crazy. Yeah. But the child is the test case for the doctors, for the family's relationship with that dental office. 
And one of the principles that we have is he who controls the family first controls them forever. And I have a good friend, uh, Dustin Burleson, who's an orthodontist in Kansas City. And he, he figured that out. He's a brilliant, brilliant. He studied marketing before he studied dentistry. And he understands that. And he understands that when a, a patient comes into his orthodontic practice, if he, treats the fa- if he treats the child well, he could actually treat the entire family. And that's what he did. He went ahead and he hired a pediatric dentist. And then he hired a general dentist because people like to be treated well. And all in one spot. Exactly. All in one spot. Exactly. Yeah. Which is and- why I built a multi-specialty group. Yes. Yes. Now we're getting into it. So, and I will add to what I said before is there's just a different size of treatment planning when it goes to, I saw 10 new patients this month. They were all kids versus I saw 10 comprehensive adult exams, not saying that the kids aren't important. We need the kids in the practice for sure, because we want the whole family, right? Well, so that's where my foray into dental sleep medicine has actually changed my philosophy about that because 10 years ago I agree I would have agreed with you entirely but now I believe that there are so many adults that are suffering from obstructive sleep apnea because of a lack of attention to growth and development issues sure so I think children if you're going to treat children and I did early on in my career and I stopped but if you are going to treat children the growth and development part of it is hugely complex and presents a huge opportunity for comprehensive treatment planning for and, children. Yeah, and growth yeah. and development guidance. Yep. So I just did a podcast uh, with uh, on airway dentistry on this and talking about growth and everything with kids and same sort of thing. So if you're doing that type of dentistry then obviously getting kids in makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. So now that's, that's your why. That's, that's your why as a practitioner. There's also finding the patient's why, and that's what creates the relationship and builds the trust through communication. Right? And, and, and that's one of the things that's become a real challenge mm-hmm. with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so... My philosophy was, and this is something that goes against the grain for most of the listeners here, I believe that because I wanted, I wanted to develop that relationship, and I was probably the best person in our practice to determine the why, and that mm. has to do with my, my personal strengths in communicating. Yeah. The new patient saw me first. And I spent enough time with that new patient to be able to figure out what that why was. Mm. And that is something that's almost impossible to do right now, Hmm. mostly because no one is seeing a doctor without that doctor wearing a mask. Yeah. The connection is really hard. It's really hard. We know that they say between 70 and 93% of communication is nonverbal. And when you're not, when you have a mask on and you're talking, that kind of relationship is not going to be as strong as it would otherwise be. Mm. Here's why. One of the things that our clients have started to do 
uh, during the pandemic, and will continue on do uh, doing, is using some type of telehealth platform. Because I want to be able to sit down with a with a new patient and talk to them in a way that will resonate with them. I'll be able to see that you know, patients not wearing the mask when they're in the chair. Yeah. But I'm wearing a mask, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it's the communication snafu is one way. But telemedicine, there's another advantage that we didn't really appreciate. And that is when someone comes into a dental office, Eric, their stress level is usually off the charts. Oh, absolutely. And what we all have seen is the result of that, which is people don't remember what they heard. They don't remember what they said. And part of that is because the stress levels are so high. When your stress levels are high, something clicks in your head and you just don't hear as well. In a telemedicine visit where a patient is sitting in their living room or in their kitchen and they're nice and relaxed, yeah. all of a sudden the effectiveness of the communication goes up considerably. Yeah. So there was that benefit that we, we didn't really appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. So now you're starting to create a relationship. So that's technology. So if I'm understanding correctly, then what will happen is your administrator would schedule you for a preliminary uh, uh, new patient visit by way of Zoom or something, right? And you spend how much time in that? You block your schedule for how long? So first of all, sometimes we actually have the administrative staff do something like that with the patient as well. Right. Okay. We want the relationship to be with the entire practice, mm -hmm. not just with the doctor. So if, 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 they, if they have FaceTime available to them, if they have Zoom available to them, uh, whatever platform they're comfortable using, and almost everyone is comfortable using some platform today. Yeah. So whatever platform they're using is what you should use. Now, you know, I've heard people, I've heard people, doctors, I, I, I did a podcast last week about this, and, in the, and it, it was actually a webinar. And, it, and someone in the chat room said, what code do you put on it and how much can you charge? <laughs> Back to, it's not about the money. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, okay, you didn't actually get what I was trying to say, but yeah. the point is that I don't care whether you charge for it or not. The money isn't in the visit that you're having with a new patient. The money is in the relationship. That's later on. Yeah, it shows up later on. Absolutely agree. What's, yeah. what's your new patient value? Again, one of those things when you ask, you know, when we've asked clients, how many people really know what their new patient value is? Almost none. And then they're basing decisions based on some fictitious number that someone might have, or they may have read someplace or somebody may have told them without any basis in any kind of uh, business fundamentals. If you don't know what your new patient value is, yeah, how much do you know how to spend on marketing? Yeah. And we, 
So what happened to us, it's an interesting story. So this stuff sort of came to a head for me when I entered the world of dental sleep medicine. Because what I started seeing and what prompted me to start Practice Perfect Systems were doctors who were really well-meaning. They got, they, they realized that there was this tremendous need out there for people to have oral appliances to treat dental sleep apnea. They tried to incorporate it into their practice and they fell on their face. That's right. Yeah, I've seen it. And I looked at that and I said, that's crazy. I mean, we need to fix that. Mm -hmm. And part of that is that they didn't understand the fundamentals. You know, if you're going to have a sleep practice where your lifetime patient value is based on an appliance that you're going to give somebody, that's a very different dynamic than if you're going to have a general comprehensive dental practice where you have specialists coming into your office as well. So you're really bumping up the lifetime patient value of that, of that patient. You can afford to market for those people in a very different way than if somebody's getting, you know, a piece of plastic that Medicare is giving you, you know, $1,200 for. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I, and going back to that comment on the webinar, I think when you're in network and you're restricted by these insurance companies, you have to figure out how to charge for everything. And the mentality is I, I got to every, every minute I got to now account for financially. And I think when you're out of that restriction of insurance, you start to see things through that different lens where you go, it's about long-term relationship and value with this patient. And I'm doing a much larger case per patient than I would with all these insurance patients running through, running through, and through, and doing one tooth at a time. You get to fully treat and fully care for a patient. So I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And, you know, we saw, and I, I've seen this happening gradually for decades now, and insurance companies have really done this well, and at the same time done a tremendous disservice to people because they've commodified what we as dentists do. And if we as dentists do fillings, crowns, straighten out teeth, that's a commodity. And if that's what you do, then you're gonna get paid by the piece. But if you can switch that dynamic and say, it's not about what we do, it's about how we care for people. Then all of a sudden, the financial issues go away. It's not a commodity. It's not a. It's 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 an ex, it's an experience, as opposed to going to Dunkin' Donuts and getting a cup of coffee, mm. you know, or going to Starbucks and getting a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, and, and the more you're known for doing dentistry that way, the more the people who are looking for that type of dentistry find you. Right. And that's one of the reasons that I loved, loved the referrals from physicians. So when you get a referral from a physician, mm. you have an automatic trust factor. Right? Yeah. Uh, 
And then it's up to me. I already have the trust. Their doctor told them to see me. Now I have to build on that. And that's one of the great things about referral marketing. Yeah. I mean, the, the, if someone that you know has told you to go to someone that they've seen, that trust starts off at a exceedingly high level. The only way you can, I mean, you can bump it up a little bit by, you know, um, connecting to that person and strengthening the relationship. Absolutely. It, it's a great place to start from. Well, you, you build a niche that way for sure. And, you know, we talk with clients all the time about, you know, how do you go after a certain type of patient? You got to put yourself out there. It starts, starts with one. You got to put yourself out there. So for some practical advice for the people that are listening, what, do, what would you say to someone who's like, okay, I, I'm ready to make the leap from being this, I'm, I'm feeling so restricted by what insurance will allow me to do, what they're t dictating my fees. What would you say is the first thing they need to do to start moving their practice into just a more free range, uh, non-restrictive insurance practice? Great, great question. First of all, you plan for it. Don't do it without some real significant strategic thought. And the key is all in communications. So I started my first newsletter in 1984. Went out to all my patients. So the first thing you want to start doing is communicating the heck out of your, out of your, out of your patient base. They need to know why coming to you is different than going to anybody else, any other, any other type of health professional they see, because they're not getting communicated to by their physicians for sure. No one has the time. So if you want to stand out, and, and that's the point, you want to do that before yeah. you make the leap. So I want to clarify something because someone's going to listen to this and go, oh, I'm going to send a letter to my patients to tell them I'm getting out of insurance. And we all say, don't do that. <laughs> Every time. I'm helping a, pay, a practice recover. It's because they've made this mistake of just sending a letter saying, hey, we're no longer in network. Uh, and the patient reads that and throws it away and goes, all right, I'm switching dentists. So what you're saying is I want to communicate through e-services, right? I want, to, I want to send a text message link out for my blog. I want to email out a link to my blog. Or I want to email a, a body that says this is what we do for all of our patients. And do you have a practical example of something you, you prefer? So first of all, I think one of the things that we've learned during this pandemic is people now read the mail. Mm. So we're at, and they're getting inundated, inundated with emails. Yeah. My suggestion to my clients is to do both. I gotcha. Have, have, have a, a, a digital presence and a, uh, a physical print presence. Mm -hmm. so I do like the idea of a monthly, a monthly newsletter. Got it. Um, and I also like multiple digital platforms. Yeah. So it's not just email, it's not just text, it's social media as yep. well. Um, again, depending on your demographics. Yep. So, you know, the older your demographics, the more you might be skewed to print and to maybe Facebook, because now we know that older people are on Facebook <laughs> and not younger people. They're taking it over. So I, I manage. Uh, quite a few. I, I, I'll say, I'll, I'll call it dozens. It's a lot. I manage clients' Facebook pages for them and, 
and answer, you know, not only do the posts, but also, you know, we, we comment, we reply, the reviews, the reviews are huge. And it surprises me when I get a new client, how much has been ignored. And they'll say to me, oh, I've never gotten a new patient from Facebook. Well, it's because you're not going on there to interact with them. You're not even reading your messages. You're not inviting new people to follow it. And it's such a great place to communicate. They're not looking for how to do a surgery on implant. They're looking for you. They're looking to see what is the inside of your, your practice look like? How does it operate? And you got to share that with them. People buy you before That's they right. buy what you do. That's right. That's right. Absolutely agree. Wow. We could go on and on forever. Mike. We could just like, just keep just leapfrogging and, and just, I, I could see that we have very similar um, perspectives on how to do uh, a practice, I think the right way. Uh, and uh, gosh, what, what sort of freedoms it opens up when you're not restricted by who you have to be. Somebody else is your boss. You're your own boss now. And so I will add to um, the, the first steps of, of, hey, removing myself from this is you've got to know who's really in your practice. You're, you can't look at your software and go, oh, I got 5,000 patients. Well, no, Rebecca, the receptionist just hasn't inactivated people for years and years and years. So that number probably isn't accurate. And so you don't want to go into a false pretense going, oh, I've got 3,000 non-insured patients when you really have a thousand, you know, all of that data has got to be accurate. And then you go through and say, which piece of the pie, so there's an insurance pie and all the, the pieces of the pie are different sizes. And you're not trying to eat the biggest piece of pie first. You're actually trying to take a couple small slices and see what you can get away with first. And you're having personal interactions with those patients first. You're communicating one-on-one -on -one with them. And so we have all the verbiage, you know, I'm sure uh, as you do, where we talk with these patients about how to do this. And it's amazing to me, and we track every patient's name, positive or negative response, but it's amazing to me the difference between what the practice thinks their response is going to be and what actually happens. They're so worried about what their reaction is going to be, the fear that's going to create, and I don't want to give them time to think about this. I just want to change. No, you want to spend the time with them and connect with them and do it over six months and and spend time communicating with them i love the preheat of letting them know who you are over and over again and, and really bragging about yourself or as heather says share the sizzle right so um you know, when you look at a practice and you say all right take this piece take this piece this these are the ones we're going to tackle first do you segment it do you break it up like that do you go for all of it at once how do you break it down so great question. And I think what I start is with what the dentist is passionate about. Yeah. So, you know, when you're passionate about something, it shows, it just shows. Mm -hmm. So if I know that a dentist has a passion for a particular treatment or a particular type of patient, then we'll try to focus on that because what you focus on, you will improve. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So good. I love our conversation so far. Uh, we probably will do more of these would be my guess because I'll be bothering you for another podcast <laughs> time, which would be great. So I, I want to just do a big summary here. I, I would say dentists that are listening, and I don't want to speak for you, Michael, but you, you can add to this when I'm done here. But dentists who are out there, what's your vision? Do you have a passion or niche of what you're known for? Have you written that down? Do you have a plan for your practice? Do you understand what that plan is? And are you, uh, do you have a team who's willing to go for it? 
you know, my wife just uh, went to a periodontist. Uh, she's got an area that she's going to have uh, addressed. And she was wowed. You know, usually you go to a specialist and it's like one and done. But she was wowed. She came back and she goes, I just want you to know I have a crush on a very old older uh, man. It's not you. You know, and she's talking about him. And I'm like, this is great. I love it. Because everybody in the office complimented her as she walked to the practice. They were interested in her. They were interested, not interesting. And they took time. And she actually had to tell him, you know, I do have to go to work at some point. So let's you know, move on. And it was great, though, because do you think that affects case acceptance? Absolutely. Do you think it builds trust? Absolutely. So if you're taking that communication style that Michael's talking about now and you're implementing it into your practice with your whole team, whether that's Zoom meetings with your patients, you're going to start to build rapport, right? Whether that's mailing out the uh, newsletter or emailing it out or a text or on social media, all of those things got to be connected. You might be saying to yourself as you listen to all this, I don't have time for that. And my challenge to you would be, is it because you're running around for the insurance company or is it because you just haven't planned your day well? Those are two very different things. And then lastly, it's then create an action plan on how you can attack the right sort of insurance plans to get them out of your practice so that you can do the type of dentistry you're passionate about. Is that a good synopsis to what else would you add to that, Michael? So I, I think that you want to try and develop personality mm. that resounds with your patients. You know, I don't know if it's the most popular magazine, but people magazine is certainly one of the top. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so popular for a reason. People like to know about people. We are social beings. Yes. So when I would, when I had a newsletter, it wasn't just about the practice. It wasn't just about me. The hygienists had stories about what their their vacations were. The, the uh, front desk staff, the clinical team had pieces in different uh, newsletter uh, newsletters that we sent out. That's so great. You develop an attachment yep. that connection and, and it, and it can last beyond the dentist. Yeah. Well, you're talking about people who are in relationship with you. When we do a practice transition, we yeah. always say, don't make two changes. You make one change. The one change is the new doctor who bought the practice. Don't change anything else. If you can don't because, because look, they're not coming for the dentist. They're coming because they know Rebecca, the receptionist, they're coming because they know, you know, um, <laughs> Virginia, the hygienist, you know, they, they have a relationship there. And that's what, what you need to help develop. It's not based upon I'm in network. It's not based upon the dollars. Maybe that's there, but more importantly, it's a connection to you and a relationship. It's and, branded. Yeah, it, yeah, it absolutely is. And we don't, we don't like to talk about selling in dentistry. We will we'll disguise it with case presentation. No, you're selling. So, get used to that part, but do it in a way that makes you feel and the patient feel like you're not pressure selling. Do it in the right way. Find their why, figure out what that is, connect the treatment to that why, and all of a sudden you're going to see your case acceptance not only go up, but expand on size of cases, right? Yeah, I think everybody in the on the dental team should be reading Daniel Pink's To Sell as Human. Say it one more time. Daniel Pink, To Sell as Human. Mm, that's good. Not a dental book. Yeah, I try not to read dental books. Other than <laughs> <once I'm right. laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I figured it wasn't. I'm going to put it on my list. So I have a, a YouTube list where I just put all the books on audio that are on YouTube now that I want to get to or I want my clients to listen to or whatever. And I'm going to add that one to it. Hopefully it's out there where I can grab it or get it on Audible or something because I like to do it while I'm driving or something like that. So he has, a, he has a great book. We actually just went through it with our uh, Temple University faculty um, called Drive. Hmm. So that's great because you mentioned the team. And that is a great book for the doctor to understand what motivates their team. Oh, wow. Not money. Mm hmm appreciation <laughs> valued Dan daniel pink's drive is for the team um to understand how to deal with the team and to sell as human everyone on the team should read oh that's so good great advice awesome love it anything you'd like to add to this before we wrap up anything like uh, that you want to share with people listening you know so the american dental association has told us that sleep disordered breathing is a scourge in the population and that we have a responsibility to do something about it by screening for sleep disordered breathing. No one has taught us how to do that. And then once we've done it, we don't know what to do with it. So what's gonna happen is people are gonna just stop doing it. And that would be as bad as stopping to do oral cancer screenings. Yep. So get educated, get your team educated. I love the Spencer Study Club. Jameson okay. Spencer has an amazing group and his, his club has over a hundred hours of video that you can learn about, about sleep um, disordered breathing. You can learn about TMJ. But more importantly, so can your team. Hmm. And they, that kind of investment just makes all the difference in the world. And it's going to show your patients that it's a lot more than just about their teeth. Yeah. You're about them as a human being. It's good. I like it. I like it. So Spencer Study Club, that's where you're recommending we go look. And SpencerStudyClub.com. And I think the people who are probably listening to this, uh, you know, being All-Star Dental Academy are used to watching things online for training and that sort of thing. Uh, they're used to having coaches and things like that. So we'll, we'll, I'm sure they'll go check it out. If you're listening to this, you know that All-Star can actually help you with anything that you're looking for in managing a practice. Obviously, Michael, you guys are there too. So, but if you're interested in any more information about this, just send an email to heather at allstardentalacademy.com. And I wanna thank you Michael, for joining me and taking time out of your day and just pouring into the dental community. I really appreciate it. And for those listening, thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself. Please share this podcast with your friends. Of course, uh, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, go out there and be an all-star. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.